Well, we continue this morning with our, our emphasis on prayer. It's called Let Us Pray. Everyone say, Let Us Pray. We've been hoping that that and praying that that little phrase, let us pray, would be more than just something you say at the table before you eat your meal, that when you walk through life and the circumstances of life uh, come upon you that are not necessarily joyful or not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, something that you want to write home to mom about, that you would look at one another, you would look at your own life, and you would gather together on whatever level and say, well, let us pray. Everyone say, let us pray. And so, uh, because we've learned and are continuing to learn that the power of prayer, and especially the power of corporate prayer, has the capacity to do great things in our midst. Our keynote verse, as you see, is 2 Chronicles seven 14. Let's all read it out loud together. You should memorize this if at all possible, but let's all read it out loud. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. What a powerful passage of Scripture. What a great promise from God that God desires His, His hope and His plan for us is for us to respond rightly to the conviction of God in our life and begin to call out to Him and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways. And then He'll hear from heaven and forgive our sin. And heal our land. God wants to heal your land. He wants to forgive your sin. And we thank God for that, that opportunity to be able to stand right before Him. Everyone say, let us pray. And so let us pray. And, and really, it's not just a sermon series. Let us pray has been a 40-day, uh, really a church-wide campaign to radically revolutionize our relationship with God at the place of prayer. And let me say, if there's ever been a time, <coughs> pardon me, if there's ever been a time for the church, for God's people to get a a, a revolution going, it's now. Not just a revolution going against, uh, you know, other people who don't believe uh, like us or other people who are, who, who we would consider not right with God. A revolution on the inside of our, rev, uh, of our relationship with Jesus Christ at the place of prayer. Look at somebody and say, let us pray. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we're hoping. And we're asking you and we're asking our church family to just allow the word of the Lord and the will of God to come alive in your heart and, 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 and revolutionize and transform your life at the place of prayer. Now last week we talked about the power of corporate agreement, agreeing together. We looked at Matthew 18 where Jesus said this. He said, again, I say unto you that two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Uh, he said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so we talked about the, the corporate agreement. In fact, last week, and this morning is going to be kind of like this, not a big preaching moment, but a pretty good praying moment. How many of you know, uh, you know, you ought to pray as much as you preach, at least. You ought to think about it. In fact, uh, I've been to a conference a number of years in a row uh, in, in Dallas, a guy named Gerald Brooks. He, he ministers to leaders and pastors, and he says this. He says, your, your, your pulpit time should never outweigh your prayer time. And uh, man, that just challenges me, but it also should be the case with each of us. Our, 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 our just fellowship time, our, 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 hey, we need to pray together and agree together and come together in corporate 
agreement. So I'm praying that, uh, that in these uh, few weeks that we have focusing on this, that your life will be revolutionized. Your spiritual relationship with God will be transformed at the place of prayer. I wish I had time to go back and tell you all the things we've talked about, uh, but uh, hey, let's move forward. And last week we talked about this, and I want to I wanna begin to build some things. We talked about Church on the Rock North's defining moment. That's us. You see, Acts chapter 4, the first century church, had a defining moment. You see, the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 and 3, and we see the church growing and prospering and the blessing of God and supernatural miracles. And when that began to happen, there was a pressure, there was a persecution even, and a threat that came in Acts 4 uh, by the religious leaders of the day to speak no more in that name. Listen, the enemy is always trying to stifle the church. And at that point, the church came to a place, what I'll call a defining moment. They came to a place of choice. And that pressure moved them to a place of corporate prayer. You remember, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, they, And when they had prayed, they came together because of the pressure, because of the opposition, and they began to pray corporately together. And as they began to pray in faith, not in fear, but they began to pray in faith, it says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. How many of you know when God's people start praying, God will start shaking things in our life? And I want to tell you, uh, that's kind of where we are. We're, we're at a place of, of a defining moment as a church family. Uh, we're about to be, how, how old, Beverly? 20, 20 years old at the end of August. We'll, our church will be 20 years old. And hey, God's been good to us. Turn around and tell somebody God's been good to us. We trust Him. We, 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 we thank God for all He's done. But we're at a place, we're at a defining moment where we must, pre- we're at a place of pressing forward. We can't go backwards. Everybody say, look, look around and say, we just can't go backwards. We've got to press forward. And so because of that, we, we, we don't have the opportunity. Uh, we don't have the capacity. We, hey, we've got to press forward. We need to make some progress in some key areas in our life. And so with that in mind, last week, we developed four uh, corporate prayer agreements where we're going to agree and we're going to be agreeing together. And, and I want to, sh- want to share them with you again. The first one is this. We, we came together and we said we need to pray over our church family that there would be a renewed commitment to gather. Everyone say gather. That means to gather together and come together. And someone, uh, I forget who said, might have been someone just said just a few moments ago, or maybe I'm dreaming. Oh, Jeremy on the video, he said, you know, the scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Let me just say this, uh, you know, across the world today, the culture of the church has, diver- uh, has changed dramatically. I was eating uh, supper last night with Pastor Sonny and Susan, my wife, and we had uh, uh, Brother Richard. Vaughn with us. He's been an evangelist, full-time ministry for 54 years. And he said, I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he shared some shocking statistics with me uh, about uh, the church in America today uh, is, is digressing in their, in their time where they gather together, that, that the people in the church are not getting, and he was just shocked. I said, it's true, Brother Vaughn, because he's been out of pastoral ministry for a number of years. I said, it's true. Uh, the statistics show in any given, uh, uh, on 
on any given Sunday, by and large across America, only about 50% of the, what we call active church members are in church on any given Sunday. Uh, and, and so it takes a pastor nearly six weeks to get one thought across to all of his church because they kind of rotate in and rotate out. Uh, and we're praying today, and I want you to pray. In fact, we need to continue to pray that God would, with us as a church family, uh, get a renewed commitment to gather together and come together. With that in mind, I want everybody to say we're better together. We really are better together. The second thing we're praying over uh, this month and through this effort is a renewed commitment to grow. You see, we need to grow spiritually because if you don't grow, you won't go. And we need to grow spiritually. A lot of people want to grow, but they don't want to gather. Let me just tell you, God's plan for you to grow is not to be a self-sufficient, independent icon to yourself and just, and just, and suck truth off the internet and gain wisdom and insight from the internet. I thank God for all that. But we need a church family where we gather together and we grow together. Grow spiritually. We've said it this way, growing people grow people. Everyone say, growing people grow people. So we need to gather, we need to grow, and we need to pray over our church family. You need to pray over your family. We need to pray together that we would, we would come together, renewed commitment to gather together. That's why the Hebrews 10 passage says that uh, uh, forsake not the assembling together as the manner of some is, so much more as you see that day approaching. How many of you know we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than ever before, uh, and so we need one another. We're better together and we need to grow together. Growing people grow people. And the third prayer directive over our church is a renewed commitment to give. Everyone say to give. Jesus said this. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We give not only of our time and our, and our, and our talent, but we give of our treasure. And we'll talk more about that as the days go by. But we're called and we're, we need to pray together that we would be able to give more than we've ever given before. How many of you would love to be blessed to the point that you could give more than you've ever given before? I believe God wants to do that. And then finally, our fourth prayer directive, and all of the above, is really for this one. Uh, we, we are praying for a renewed commitment to go. Everyone say go. Wednesday night, Pastor Sonny and Susan Canancer were with us, and he uh, greeted us just for a moment. You know Pastor Sonny is the president of Church on the Rock Network of Ministers, of which I am a part, on the board of directors, and he's been in town this week uh, meeting with pastors. In fact, he's over at our sister church uh, right now, a church on the rock south, actually, uh, Pastor Kyle Trahan preaching this morning. But he was with us Wednesday night, and he said, I believe that, uh, uh, in fact, he said, he quoted the scripture, don't say four months and then come the harvest. Look at, lift your eyes up. The fields are white already to harvest. We need to go. Somebody say, it's time to go. Now, I wasn't talking about lunch. I was talking about going to the fields. Somebody go, oh, it's time to go eat lunch. No, it's not time for lunch. It's time to reap the harvest. That's what the uh, Great Commission is all about. Jesus said this, the, his famous last words. He said, go into all the world. Everyone say, you got to go. We got to go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so those are our four prayer directives that we're praying. And last Sunday, we spent time praying over each of these. 
And I want to encourage you as a member of our church family to pray over these. And if you're a guest with us this morning, let me just say, I'm praying that you, wherever you land in life, as far as a church family, uh, that you would find a renewed commitment to, to gather together with the family of faith. Don't be among the many. And I want to tell you, there are many who, who have put uh, uh, involvement and connection with the local church very low on the priority list. A lot of people, in fact, my, I just turned 60. Do I look 60? I don't look 60, do I? In fact, Pastor Sonny bought me the most expensive shirt I've ever worn on my body, and I've got it on this morning. And I thought, well, maybe I need to spend a little more. I love my new shirt from Pastor Sonny. But, uh, hey, we all went Friday night to Larry's French Market as a family and friends. And did you know Pastor Sam got out on the dance floor and we, I can't dance, but we all danced together. We had fun together. But there were people there who do this every weekend. These old-timey dancing families, and they were all a big family. And, I, and, and we're just, man, I said, these people, they're into this. Pastor Sonny said, it's their church. This is their place of relationship and connection. This is their church. And I realize that people have many times, they've taken, whether it's baseball or, you know, Larry's French Market or, or the Bass Club or the Working Buddies and all, or wherever you find your connection and relationships, and that becomes your church. But let me tell you something. Jesus isn't Lord of those churches. Uh, he's Lord of His church. He said, the church that I build, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so... Yeah, we need to pray for a renewed commitment to gather in our church family, a renewed commitment to growth. How many of you know, if you don't choose to grow, you won't grow? If you don't develop a plan of spiritual growth, you won't grow spiritually. It doesn't happen by accident. Uh, and so uh, those are the four prayer directives. Now, before I jump into the first one, let's just pause and pray over all of these right now. Father, today... We as a church family, and Lord, I know today's not a good day to hammer people that are not here. Lord, we don't want to do that today. We're not condemning of anyone because it's a holiday weekend. And Lord, we know uh, that people are with family and friends, and we bless them. But Lord, we just stand against any tendency that the, that the family of faith would have to, to uh, water down their com commitment and connection with the church family. We pray for a renewed commitment together. Lord, we prayed for a renewed commitment, Lord, to grow spiritually. Lord, we pray for a renewed commitment to give of our time and our treasure and our talents. And Lord, we pray for a renewed commitment to go into the world that you've placed us in and be a light in a dark place, to see people born again and transformed for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So with that in mind, here this is what I want our church family to really begin to get. And I think, I'm going to put this in quotations, I think, I just turned 60, I've been pondering this, I think this may be our 10-year press. This is where we're pressing forward. Remember the first century church under pressure? They were pressed, but they were pressed forward. How many of you know pressure is designed to press us forward? And here, this may be the, the vision of God for our church family for the next 10 years at least. Let's say it this way. Let me say it and then you repeat after me. You ought to be able to memorize this in 30 seconds. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. Let's say it together. We're called to, we're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. Let's say it again. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. 
we're called to give and we're called to go. And I hopefully that over the course of time, when someone asks you, let me tell you, t- uh, tell me about your church family. Well, you, I can tell you, really, it, it's all in a little nutshell phrase. We're called together. God's called us to come together and be a family. He's called us to grow spiritually. He wants us to be mature and in Him. We're called to give. You see, church is not about me. Everybody says, it's not about me. Church is about those who need me, and I'm here to give. We serve. Jesus didn't come to serve, but, uh, to be served, but to serve and give His life. A ransom for many. That's what we do. That's who we are. And we're called to go. We're called to make a difference in the world around us. That's who we are at Church on the Rock North. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. That's who we are. And uh, oh, and by the way, next week, I may, this, there may be a test on that phrase right there. So, are you, how many of you know there's always a test? Okay. And so, we're going to even get our children to begin to understand why we are here. And so, let's all say it together one more time. Let's say it this way. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. Amen. Let's just talk about this. This is just simple insights from the Word of God. Turn to Acts chapter 1. I want to talk to you about gathering together as the family of faith. And the fact that we're called to gather together. I just really want to make some simple observations. There's nothing deep or wide here. It's very clear from, from, uh, from the Word of God's standpoint uh, that God has called us to gather together. We're better together. Everyone say that. We're better together. We really are. Uh, and with that in mind, let me just take you a little walk through the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts. And uh, though I won't mention every place, it says them and they uh, and and there's just it's just it's just riddled with the reality that church is about a family of faith coming together. Okay, with that in mind, let me show you these insights. Acts chapter one verse four. Uh, it says, "And being assembled together with them, that's the resurrected Christ, and being assembled together with them, Jesus came together." with them. If you remember, he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And the resurrected Christ, before that even, uh, he assembled together with them. And he began to share with them insights and revelation. He loves to hang out with the church family. How many of you know, even as we read and studied last week in the Matthew 18 verse where the power of corporate prayer, Jesus said, where two of you are gathered together uh, in my name, there I am in your, in your midst. Jesus loves to show up at church. He's a church man. Amen. Uh, Jesus is a local church man. He's the builder of the church. Amen. And so Acts chapter one reveals the, that, that Jesus is a man uh, or, or was uh, one who loved the church and he loves to meet with his church. Look in verse 14. Acts one verse 14 says this, these all, that means everybody say all. And the, you know what the Greek there for that word all is? Everybody. I love it. There, was, there wasn't a 50% show up rate there. These, po- these folks were all in. Everybody say all in. And when it says these all continued with one accord 
in harmony together. Unan- that, word, that word accord means unanimously. They were all unanimous in what they were doing. Wouldn't it be great if the church began to operate in a spirit of, uh, you, is it unanimity? <laughs> I don't know. They were all, we're all unanimous here. And we're into this. We're praying for these things. We're all in. We're together. We're in one accord together. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, everybody, there it is, that unanimous group. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them, uh, to them divided tongues as a fire and, and set on each of them. And they were all, everybody say they were all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm telling you, I'm seeing a pattern here that God wants us to gather together and we began to gather together. Good things began to happen. Amen. Look in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, one of my favorites. After the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter preached his first Pentecostal message, it says this in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. Somebody say steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that is the teaching, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. I'm telling you, they were connected at the hip, if you will. They were connected spiritually because of the teaching of the Word of God. They were connected relationally at fellowship and just uh, ministering to one another and with one another. I'm telling you, we're, we're better together. Tell somebody we're better together. Look in chapter 4. Oh gosh, look down in verse 46 of that same chapter, verse chapter 2. It says, so continuing, day, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Sound like God loved the fact that they were gathering together. Amen. And then finally, where we've been, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, I quoted this just a moment ago. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Or they spoke the word of God with boldness. Even just from reading the scripture. Even just making some simple observations. You and I can come to the place, or we should come to the place, uh, that, uh, hey, uh, uh, God is a family man, and he wants us to gather together, not just with our family, but with the family of faith, and, and gather together. In fact, I, I tend to believe, as I, we're saying here, that God has called us to be a part of the family of faith, and come together, and build relationship with one another, and grow spiritually with one another and, and, and become strong in the Lord and in the power is might and realize that we're not here for ourselves, but we're, for, we're here for others and that we're here to give of ourselves and of our time and of our resources and to sow seeds of, of, of our service and sow seeds of our, our success in life to the family of faith so we can all work together to go into all the world and make disciples and see God do a great thing in our midst and press us forward into the purpose of God for our life. Amen. Why are we better together? Well, I've made some observations, but let me just kind of break it down for you. Why are we better together? Well, because number one, there's a multiplication effect that goes into place. 
How many of you know when God starts multiplying, you better look out? He knows how to multiply. He knows how to take a few fish and loaves and turn it into a supernatural provision of God. He can take it and bless it and break it. He can do more with just a little. Let me just tell you, a little is much when Jesus gets involved. He wants to multiply some things in our life. And there's a multiplication effect that takes place when we come together. In fact, the Scripture teaches us, as we learn in Matthew 18, that His his desire and ability to answer our prayers is multiplied when we agree together at the place of prayer. In fact, an Old Testament passage says this, that one can chase a thousand but two come on say one can chase a thousand but two can chase well I thought if one chased a thousand then two would chase two thousand no there's a multiple I say it this way I don't even know if it's a word there's a multiplicity of effectivity that takes place when God's people come together in 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 harmony and unity together and there's a multiplication effect that takes place it's just true let me give you some thoughts Simple thoughts. There's a multiplication of power, supernatural power. We see that throughout the book of Acts, and that's in fact what Jesus told them. He said in verse 8, He said, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you sh-, and by the way, He's talking to the church. He's not talking to Peter. He's not talking to you know the disciples only or the apostles. He's talking to the church, these leaders who have gathered together. He said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, uh, and, and, in the holy, and, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, you'll receive power. Somebody say power. Supernatural power. And we see, in fact, you know, when Jesus was walking planet Earth, he was, a, he was a man of power and authority. He did miracles, right? But Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit basically for this purpose. So there can be a multiplied effect of the power of the Holy Spirit going throughout all the earth in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That was God's plan, was to empower us and empower the church so we could all reach our world for Jesus Christ. He said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power. Somebody say power. Now, I love that word. It's the Greek is dunamis. It's like dynamite, supernatural power. And you see it operating through them. It was poured out upon them in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Uh, and then when you get down to chapter 4, uh, verse 31, you see again, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them and they receive supernatural power in their life. In fact, I love verse 33 of chapter 4. Look at this. We didn't read it earlier. It says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I love that. I'm going to say it again. Uh, Acts 4 verse 33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Little Greek word study. The word power again is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. How many of you know uh, you, you got you to be, uh, be trained to deal with dynamite, right? You can't just, they don't give dynamite away at, in elementary school you got to watch who's got dynamite. But I'm going to tell you, God's got some dynamite power for the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says about this first century church, it says great power. Not just power, but great power. Somebody say great power. That word great means mega. Somebody say mega. 
I love it. He said, and mega power was upon the church. How many of you know there's a multiplication of power when we come together, when we link together and we say we're better together, we're coming together at the place of prayer. We're not all independence, lone ranger kind of mindset kind of people who just kind of maybe so, maybe not. I'm into myself. I'm into what I want to do. And I'm not ready to give up my identity. I don't know if I need church. I don't know. You know, you've heard all those things. I want to tell you, when we come together, there's a multiplication of power that God wants to do in our lives. And we can have, have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit available to us as a church family. Somebody say mega power. I love it. Number two, there's a multiplication of potential. You see, each of us have potential, right? In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you're a big bundle of potentiality. You're one guy. Bree, you're one great big bundle of potentiality. Robert, you're a great big bundle of potentiality. Preston, you're a great big bundle of potentiality. We all have potential. Amen. You've, you've seen people, that you see somebody and you think they're pretty sure. Oh, he has potential. In other words, there's, he can make something of it. We all have potential. But potential is just potential unless it begins to be made manifest in our life. And what God looked down, and listen, God has a plan, but let me tell you something. It's based upon uh, uh, our willingness to plug in and get involved with His purpose and plan for our life. And we're just potential. We have the potential of radically transforming the culture of our community around us. Do you realize that? And together, we have a multiplied capacity to make a bigger difference. That's why uh, Jesus said in Acts 1-8, he said this. He said, uh, he said, when you come together and you wait on the promise of the Father, he said, when the Holy, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he said, and you'll be my witnesses. Catch the potential in Jerusalem. That's right at home. In Judea, the, hey, the potential just began to grow. And then in Samaria, the potential's growing. And then the uttermost parts of the world. He looked at us. He looked at that first century church. And he looked down upon them. And he said, listen, there's potential here. If you'll let the Holy Spirit come upon you. If you'll realize, hey, that we're better together. And we can do this together. The potential is we can reach our whole world for Jesus Christ. We can go viral. How many of you want to go viral with the gospel? And I'm telling you, the, the Chewbacca lady has gone explosively viral. More so than anyone ever in the history of the world. A little Christian lady who got the joy of the Lord in her heart one day and just shot a little video. And people all over the world, she exploded on Facebook. She exploded around the world. And, and she's a believer. And she said, it's the simple joys. And now she's going all over the the world sharing the joy of the Lord with people. Uh, and it's just amazing. I'm telling you, I wonder if she realized the potential of that little video she shot. We all have potential. There's the capacity of, of, a, of a multiplied impact in this community and around the world if, if we'll realize we're better together and, 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 and we recognize and we begin to understand it's a priority. We need to make it a priority of our life connect with the church family. I may embarrass someone here today, but I want to appreciate some people here this morning. I think of Amanda Blanton. Amanda Blanton, she just looked at me and said, oh my gosh, what's he talking about? Amanda Blanton serves in three or four areas of our church 
and she's got her hand in about everything, and she's, got, she's figured this out. And I want to thank you for that. She's figured out not only are we better together, but I'm better together, and my kids are better together. I see Tiffany right here. Tiffany raised her daughter in church, uh, and, and her daughter is a, a faithful member, now a tithing member of our church family. She realized we're better together in this church family. We're called to be together. In fact, I just got a, a, a message from somebody that I ministered to in somewhere, Wisconsin or something. He said, Pastor, you, always, you said something when you're in Wisconsin. I'll see if I can remember what I said. He remembered it. He said, uh, we're all in important to God and His church. This is what he says I said. He quoted me. I couldn't remember. I said, that sounded so good, I'm going to say it again whether or not I really said it or not. He may be confused, but he said I said it. He said I said this, we're all important to God and His church. Therefore, we, we need to make God and His church important to us. I think I said that. Did I say that? Beverly remembers. Look at your neighbor and say, you're important to God. And you're important to His church. Therefore, we need to make God and His church important to us. If He thinks we're important, we need to make what He thinks important, important in the priority. Hey, there's a great big bundle of potentiality in our midst as we rally together and realize we're, we're better together. And then number three, there's a multiplication of praise and worship and glory that is released in the house of God. You see, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, they all heard them uh, speaking the magnification and the praises of God in their own language, and praise began to resound throughout uh, the city and they began to worship and praise and magnify the name of God and you look down in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 and they continued daily praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church I'm telling you we're here to give him glory we're here to bless him and we're better together I'm telling you when the, you think about this when you get in your personal prayer time and you worship God there's power in there but when we come together and there's a multiplied one can chase a thousand to ten thousand. This is a multiplied effect. You want to make heaven happy? Show up in church and give Him glory and praise. And let the praise of God resound, not only in your prayer closet, but in the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Whew, he's worthy. Amen. And number four, there's a multiplication of people. That's what it's all about. Acts 2.41, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Then it says in verse 47 again, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. That's the call to go. You see, when we come together under the banner of the great commission of Jesus Christ, People will be impacted by our influence. In fact, I love Acts chapter 6. It, it just expands on this thought. Acts 6 verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, I love that. May it be, and by the way, the book of Acts doesn't have an amen and an ending to it. How many of you know we're still living in the book of Acts? Are you with me? Say Amen. May it be, now in these days, 
These that we're living in. May it be in these days that the number of the disciples continued to multiply. In fact, look down in verse 7. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied. Somebody say multiplied. The number of uh, disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do in and through any local church. He wants to see people saved. He wants to see the kingdom expand. He wants more for heaven and less for hell. And it can't happen unless we come together and begin to work together to make a difference in the world around us and pray together and ask God to develop within us, if you will, a whole new mindset and begin to work within us. Listen, we need to pray that God would work this calling together to come together as a family of faith into the DNA of our being. You, let me just tell you this. I'm, I'm, I once was young and now I'm older. And our children have been raised in church. And let me just say, I have to, and this is just the way it works. It's no great, Beverly and I are no great parenting skills. But we kept our kids in church. They, it was, we said, well, you were the preacher. Well, it didn't begin that way. You know, those preacher's kids, you know. Listen, we're all God's kids. And our children were raised in church. It was put into the DNA of their being. This is who they are. This is what they do. This is not something you pray about every Sunday morning. This is, you don't rock, paper, scissors over whether you're involved in the local church. They got it in their DNA. This is who they are. This is their identity of their life. Beverly and I were talking about some people together. We were grieving over some young adults who, because the, it was not built within their DNA, uh, people that we know, they're hit and miss in church. They're doing this, that, and everything, and they're just going, living life on their own, and they are not gathering together. They're not connected uh, with the family of faith and God helped them one of their young kids that used to walk through these doors now has decided he doesn't believe he's a Christian and not sure that God is real and he's off doing his thing for goodness sake that didn't have to happen I'm just telling you the gospel truth and now my little grandchildren it's being built within the DNA of their being and little little uh, giddy man, if you're my Facebook friend, you'll see a picture of him. He's all excited about, what's the song he sang? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was singing the songs of the Lord. And he wants to go to church. In fact, our, our grandkids, when that, when sometimes, hey, we're not legalists, but sometimes when they can't be here, they get all upset because it's church night. It's in our DNA. We need to pray that this calling together is built within the DNA of our being. Because let me tell you something, as Hebrews chapter 10 says, as we draw nearer to the return of Jesus Christ, we need the gathering of the saints more so than ever before. Now listen carefully, and we're going to pray together. A number of years ago, I was with a a group of pastors, some pastoring large churches, some pastoring small churches. Uh, And how many of you know the majority of churches in America are are about 100 people or less? We are the majority. 
You know, the mega churches kind of uh, kind of make eclipses with their with uh, nothing wrong with a mega church, but I'm telling you, the backbone of America is small town USA, or little churches, little pods and cells of God's people gathering together to make a big difference. We don't need to kick ourselves because we're not a mega church. We just need to realize we are the church. Hallelujah! And God wants to bless us and use us and, and make a difference in the world where we're at. And so, what we need to realize is is that the enemy is trying to keep us from being what he wants us to be. And we need to pray together that God would work within us the DNA that this is, hey, this is my family. This is who I am. I'm not going to be dysfunctional. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be diverted from the destiny of God for my life. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to be a part of the family of faith. Now let me close with this. We're going to pray. If you got people in your family who who struggling with their connection with the family of faith, that's why we're praying. And somebody say, God answers prayer. Let's stand together right now. Father, today we come together. We've gathered together, Lord. And Lord, I know we got a lot of good faithful family members who are, are with their family. We bless them. We love them. Lord, we don't condemn them. We bless them. We, we just pray for the family of faith right now. That you would draw us together in a whole new way. Come on, let's begin to pray that in our own way. Lord, draw the church family together with a new, renewed commitment to one another, to love one another, to fellowship with one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to grow together with one another, to fight the fight of faith together with one another. Because one can chase a thousand, but two ten thousand. And today as we come to this moment of opportunity, we just lift up one another to you. If you know somebody who's struggling in their commitment to Christ in his church, just call their name out to God right now. They don't have to be members of this church or just connected. If you know someone who's struggling, Lord, we lift them up to you. I lift these families up to you that I see every day, Lord, that I pray for every day. I lift them up to you. I pray, God, that the enemy would not have his way in their kids. I pray, Lord, you would turn the tide in their life. I pray you would open the eyes of young people and moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And Lord, somehow, someway, Lord, let the DNA of their heart and life begin to be transformed. And let them awaken to the need for a consistent, vital, thriving, healthy relationship, not only with you, but your, your church family. We come together because we, we're better together. We bind every demon, devil, and hell that is lying to people right now, telling them that they don't need you and they don't need your church. Lord, we, we know that there are people who have confessed you as the Lord and leader of their life but don't connect with your family. Lord, we believe that they're on a collision course with trouble.
I pray you would open their eyes. You would call them to the family of faith that you have for them. We pray for those, Lord, that are close around us who need us and we need them. We pray you'd speak to them today. Show them the great value, the multiplied blessing that comes when we gather together. In Jesus' name. Amen.